Welcome back to Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's beautiful conversation is with the lead singer of one of my favorite bands, Sat Sung. I discovered these guys years ago and then found out randomly that we're kind of surrounded in the same circle of people. And Drew McManus, lead singer of Sat Sung, was out here in town, just on some podcasts with some other friends. And and so we uh, we had him on. We had some opportunities to get to train jujitsu together and do some boxing together. And he's great. He is kind of like a modern day philosopher slash poet slash singer songwriter. Just really really a brilliant mind with a very fascinating history that brought him to the point that he is today. So I'm very excited to get to share this conversation with you guys. I know that you guys are going to devour it. Before we get started, I wanted to thank our sponsors. Inside Tracker. I know every single one of you listening right now is striving for more energy, better sleep, a healthy immune system, improved personal performance, and the vitality you need to live longer, better, healthier lives. But it's confusing out there. There is a barrage and cacophony of biased, misleading, impersonal information that creates doubt and confusion, obscuring your way forward. Everyone is telling you something different, and it's impossible to know who to believe. Diets and health routines aren't and shouldn't be cookie cutter plans because each and every one of us is different. That's why I just got done testing with Inside Tracker. My test results gave me a very clear, definitive picture of what my body looks like on the inside, a clear measure of whether my diet and exercise choices are helping or hurting me, and a clear idea of who or what to trust when it comes to health, wellness, and performance guidance. If you are tired of guessing, tired of all the confusion, and tired of just following someone else's plan that works for them, but not necessarily for you, then I highly suggest checking out Inside Tracker. They give you a clear plan on how to make the best nutrition and exercise choices for your body. Get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store by heading over to insidetracker.com forward slash align. Again, that's 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you go to Inside Tracker dot com slash align. I'd also like to thank Eaton Hemp for supporting this podcast. I am a major fan of hemp products in general and specifically Eaton Hemp. Did you know unhold hemp seeds contain omega-3s and omega-6s at a perfect ratio of one to three, which is what is ideal for our bodies. They're the only plant-based source with this ideal ratio. Omegas are fatty acids that can help your body in positive ways. But when you consume more omega-6 than omega-3, you trigger inflammation and even weight gain. Omega-6s are found in the American diet in excess. That's why we need to intentionally eat foods that are higher in omega-3 and ideally have that perfect ratio. Although most hemp seeds you find on shelves are hulled, that's why I love eating hemp's unhulled toasted hemp seeds. But you don't just want to buy any hemp seed, whether it's unhulled or not. It's extremely important for it to be USDA certified organic. And hemp is a phytoremediation plant, so it sucks up whatever is in the soil that it's grown in. This includes the good and the bad. Eaton Hemp is proudly USDA organic and third-party lab tested, so you can rest assured it is grown in the finest soil free of toxins, pesticides, and heavy metals. Plus, it's also non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, and keto-friendly. And the best part is that they have an absolutely delicious taste. 
they have two different flavors, maple cinnamon and pink Himalayan sea salt. I love them both very much so actually. I love using the maple cinnamon to add onto smoothies, to add a nice crunch, and I love using the pink Himalayan sea salt to add a crunch to my salads. Grab your own bag now by heading over to eatonhemp.com slash align. That's E-A-T-O-N-H-E-M-P dot com forward slash align and use code align for 20% off. Again, that's eatonhemp.com slash align, E-A-T-O-N-H-E-M-P dot com forward slash align for 20% off of your purchase. Plus, if you do not like your product, they give you a 30-day money back guarantee. So you got nothing to lose and you got your whole omega-3-6 ratio situation to garner from this excellent product. I really love these guys a lot. I put them on salads and smoothies, as I mentioned, and I think you guys are going to like them as well. Jump over to eatinghemp.com slash alive. All right, here we go. Back to Zipocast. There is sometimes value in someone, like a good friend not being someone who isn't a person that's going to tell us what we want, but tell us what we need. You know, and sometimes it's like finding that person, like find that relationship, the abusive relationship, where maybe it's like, man, they just treat me exactly the way I expect. I just want to keep on going back. <laughs> that was like my my big apprehension of doing ayahuasca was like, like everyone kept saying the same thing. It was like, well, man, it's going to give you exactly what you need. Might, might be good, might be bad. And I was like, well, that's fucking, that's not promising at all, you know, but ended up being absolutely delightful. When we got started, or before we got started, I asked you if there's anything particularly you wanted to focus on. You said something along the lines of kind of like finding yourself outside of the way that people perceive you or like identity as a musician or... Yeah, yeah. So I really like hit the ground running. Like when I decided I was going to do music, I knew that there'd be all these phases, right? There's like the phase where you're playing like three-hour bar gigs and no one gives a shit and you're booking tours, but tours look like a bunch of three hour bar gigs or like coffee shops, you know, like it takes a long time to even get into clubs and then you get into clubs and nobody's coming. So it was just this super long process that I was totally down for the ride on. And then it started going real well. And at the beginning of COVID, I decided to start going to therapy. My therapist was like, okay, on the first session, I was like, okay, well, tell me about yourself, you know? And I started my life at the start of Satsung and she let me go for a while. And then she kind of was like, okay. So your life started at 24. That was when your life began, huh? So through a lot of work with her, COVID was really nice for me to have a break from being satsung. Because when you're an artist or even what you do, right? Like if, if someone is aware of what you do, they're interacting with you on the premise of like, oh, well, you were this thing, right? And for me, that's like the exact goal of most interactions, right? It's like, I'm coming to your town to play music. That's what I am. Your only relationship to me is you listening to my music. So of course, when you meet me, you're going to be like, oh, this is, you or this. And, you know, through therapy and a bunch of other self-work and really just getting outside again, man. Like, you know, I was just like a dirt bag before Satsung. I just rock climbed and skied and fly fished and I just lived outside, you know? I realized how much more I am than just Satsung, which was like, I think scary to me before where I was like, no, 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 no. If I don't have this, no, this is it. This is all I am. Like, I felt like if I didn't have that mentality that it might like wither away because I didn't like want it bad enough or like some shit like that, you know, that like silly entrepreneur thing. That's like, no, I have to eat, sleep, breathe, shit, this thing. And I feel more 
A, more myself than I've ever felt before because I actually know who I am now. But I feel just like inundated with blessings because I'm like, oh yeah, no, I am this thing. But I'm also a dad and I'm also a partner and I'm also a martial artist. I also am a bad fisherman. And I also, you know, I'm like all of these other things and realizing that that ultimately I don't owe it to anybody to be anything. You know, I owe it to myself to be the best version of myself that I can be. And um, it's given me like a really different kind of confidence. Like I was talking to Aubrey last night. I had JP Sears on my podcast and I got a whole bunch of shit from my fan base for it. Like everyone flipped out. And Aubrey was like, so you're just doubling down? You know, you're just going to double down and go do his? And I was like in my head, I'm like, well, dude, I think a lot about my thoughts. So I typically don't say things I don't mean. So like I can stand behind that. And I guess what I'm saying is I'm just like in a place right now where I feel more behind everything that I'm doing and saying than I ever have before. Probably part of that behindness is is being in relationship to your whole self pre-24. Yeah, and seeing the whole picture, right? And not just relating to the world as one thing. But it's like, no, dude, we're all all of these things, you know? Was there anything particular that there was there was like a sidestepping around pre-24 time frame for you? Because I had a similar experience with working with a therapist where people listening to this are familiar with I had like, you know, my growing up, my dad, he got into drugs, crack cocaine. He went to jail for a while and he was like pimping women and it was this whole he his his life went like like he got real different real fast. And obviously it was there was some subconscious stuff leading to that in relation to his childhood, in relationship to his mom and like so on and so forth. Like the like the onion keeps on getting peeled back. And now he's doing really well and he's like lives in a church and he's remarried and it's like it's actually miraculous what he's done with his life. So that's it's really brilliant. But talking with a therapist, I would use words when I was discussing childhood stuff as like not heinous or horrific, but for some, you know, it could be, but just like scary, like legitimately traumatic moments for a young boy. I would describe them as being like really interesting or really fascinating. Like, wow, what an experience for a young boy to go through. She's like, no, bitch. That's real fucked up. Actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Back up. <laughs> that was maybe scary, unsettling, traumatic. It wasn't interesting. Dude, my childhood was really weird because we, I was physically abused by my, my stepfather that raised us. We lived very far from my biological father and he kicked the shit out of me and my brother every day for drill was just part of day-to-day life. And then we also lived in a neighborhood where violence was always happening outside. So, you know, my whole prefrontal cortex and personality was formed under the threat of violence at all times. And we traced a lot of my pathology where previously, to answer your question directly, man, yeah, because I think I had always seen success as if I can separate myself from this thing and go do my own thing, then I've been successful. You know what I mean? If I don't end up a victim of this upbringing then I've been successful. There can be the abandoning of the victim. Yes. Well, I kind of realized the reason that I was so obsessed with satsung and it is my identity and this is what I am was because it was far from this thing, you know? And I was like, my mindset has always been like, life is unfair. No one's coming to fucking save you. Save yourself. It's harsh. It's unfortunate. It's uncomfortable, but that is the reality. And we trace that back to two really pivotal moments in my childhood with my two biological parents, which one was my stepfather had broken my nose and I was in like fourth, fifth grade. And my mom came into my bedroom that night 
to say goodnight. And I asked her, I said, how long are you going to let him do this? And she didn't say anything. She shut the door. So I was like, boom, seed plant. Okay, mom's not going to help. And then when I was like 13, maybe even 14, we would go spend a month with my biological dad in Montana every summer. And this one summer, we like road tripped back to Des Moines and did the like Black Hills and all of that shit. But I remember laying with him crying and being like, dude, you can't send me back there. Like, you can't keep letting me go back, you know. And in my head, I was like, like, even to this day, I put myself in that situation. If that was my son, I'd be like, no, nah, man, she can call the cops. She can do whatever she wants. Like, I'm not letting you go back there. But anyway, short version is when he, we met in this hotel parking lot. My stepdad came and picked us up. My dad went up and shook his hand. And when I saw him shake his hand, I was like, boom, this motherfucker's not coming to save me either. So it created this whole subconscious narrative of, I don't have anyone. Even my wife might be like a fleeting part of this whole thing. You know, like even the people I'm close to, it's like they flip on me in a minute, you know, and they're surely not going to save me. So I had all these belief patterns. So I think I had developed this thing that was like, if I put all my eggs into this basket, I guess I just thought I was done with my self-work. I was like, you know what? Most of the people, you know, I was like the only one in my in our neighborhood, there's me and one other kid named Nick that didn't do time in federal prison. So I was like, all right, I've already, I'm already a success story. It needs no further work. You know what I mean? I beat addiction and I've built this thing. So like my self-work is done. Like he said, and my therapist was like, nah, <laughs> nah, we got to go all the way back. We got to start at the beginning. So I think going through that, I just started to un my understand myself more. And then you can more effectively think about your own thinking when you understand where it comes from, when you can trace the pathology. So the past year and a half since COVID, you mix therapy with just doing jujitsu nonstop and getting back outside and just being home all day with my son, all day, every day. I'm just with my kids, really rooting down with my wife again and just being like, oh my God, dude, I've just had these like blinders on, not even paying attention to how beautiful and fruitful my life is because I've been too scared to to dig back into this shit. I just didn't, I wanted to tell myself that I had already dug it up, you know, and was like, no, I hadn't even, hadn't even taken off the topsoil, you know? So it was like, yeah, just digging through all that stuff. I just began to understand myself in such profound ways where I could like find myself in my thinking going, Hey man, that's not actually you. That's this thing. And don't do that thing. Cause that thing goes here, you know? What was some of the standout exercises or ways that you started to be able to develop that reflection upon yourself to even have that? Was it just having a therapist to be able to like look at you and say, hey, bud, here's what you think you're doing. It's like being unconsciously incompetent. Yeah, therapy was a huge part of it. You know, rekindling a relationship with psychedelics was really huge for me with all of these new tools to be like to dive into it with that whole new lens on, you know, essentially like the hyperdrive of self-thinking engaged with all those new tools was really huge for me. And then huge, powerful exercise to me was she, my therapist made me write a letter to my mom and dad explaining these two events and saying like, Hey, I'm not blaming you. I don't even need an apology. I just need you to acknowledge that this happened and that was real. And that was a game changer for me and went so differently than I thought it was going to go. You know, my mom, I was like full denial forever that our childhood was real and I was like, I'm going to give her this letter and then we're going to go through this whole thing. So I wasn't even going to do it. She's like, just do it. See what happens. And my mom was like, you know, baby, 
I don't remember that specific event, but I remember a lot of events similar to that. So like, yeah, I'm sure that did happen. And I'm sorry, you know, and just hearing that, I was just like, oh, because I kind of been made to believe that me and my brother imagined this whole thing. And for me, my huge medicine is is the mountains, man. That's like, that's where I go to for everything. That's why I live where I live, you know, in this little isolated town in southwest Montana. Do you think a part of that was a mistrust of people while you're attracted to mountains? Yeah, 100%. There's also a thing for me that is like, I don't want to be prodded or investigated. <laughs> you know, like I want to be when I'm home, especially with my job now, when I'm home, I just need to be home. And there's something about the mountains where like, I was having a bit of an episode one time where I'd been dropped by my agent and my drummer had quit. And it was just like the most hellacious week ever. And my friend Trevor said to me, go outside, dude. Like, remember, a mountain is still a mountain. A river is still a river. And I think it's something that we forget a lot when we're caught up in life that like, you go into the middle of the mountains Birds are singing, water is running, predators are hunting, prey are running, you know, like all of these things are happening. This whole system is always moving with or without us. And it just always has this magic ability to put things into perspective for me of like, oh man, what a weird thing that I'm giving this much energy to, like in the grand scheme of the entire universe and the entire planet, even just this fucking mountain range. This is not that big. This is not that big. And there's just nothing I've found, not psychedelics, not in it, not therapy. There's nothing that I found like isolation in the mountains that just brings me right back to like, you're not all of these things, dude. You're actually just a human being on planet Earth. And you're like, oh, shit, that simplifies it. I want to take a moment and thank our friends over at Bio Optimizers for supporting this podcast. In the biohacking world, you hear experts talk a lot about blood sugar and how we need to keep our blood sugar balanced and to avoid spikes. Although I'm guessing many of you don't know the science behind why this is so important. So let me explain. It doesn't matter whether you eat a donut or drink a glass of orange juice. Low fiber processed carbohydrates from crackers to chips to cookies to juice all have similar effect on your blood sugar. When you take in a lot of carbs too quickly without much fiber or fat to slow down absorption, you could experience what we call a sugar crash, which leads to low energy, brain fog, and weight gain. And due to the addictive nature of sugar and carbs, once your body brings your blood sugar levels back down, that's when the cravings kick in. And if you give in to those cravings, it starts the cycle all over again. So I hope you can see how important it is to maintain healthy blood sugar levels. The question is, how the freak do we do it? Well, one way is to reduce your intake of processed carbohydrates and make sure you eat fat, protein, fiber, and greens at most meals. But none of us are perfect. We all cheat sometimes. So it just makes sense to have a way to maintain healthy blood sugar day in and day out, even if you have an off day. That's why I recommend a product called Blood Sugar Breakthrough by BioOptimizers. This easy-to-take supplement is the result of numerous tests to find the absolute best formula for maintaining healthy blood sugar. In fact, BioOptimizers went through five different formulations before landing on this one. Blood Sugar Breakthrough works to safely lower blood sugar after meals so you can maintain a healthy weight and redirect carbs to your muscles where they can be burned for energy. This means you'll avoid the worst effects of high blood sugar, like weight gain, while enjoying more stable energy, mental clarity, and fewer cravings. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, just go to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health.com slash align. 
and save 10% with code ALIGN10. Then try Blood Sugar Breakthrough. Oh, and if you use that code bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash ALIGN, your exclusive 10% discount will already be applied. So jump over to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash ALIGN to get started. I'd also like to thank our friends over at Element. If you want a free sampler pack of my favorite electrolyte beverage, I recommend jumping over to drinklmnt.com slash align. That's drinklmnt.com slash align. So why does that matter? I know many of you are just as into fitness as I am. And if you are like me, the summer heat has you sweating like crazy from your intense workouts. Did you know the more you sweat, the more electrolytes you lose? And the more electrolytes you lose, the worse your performance, endurance, and recovery will become. That's why it's extremely important for us to pay attention to our electrolyte levels. We need to replenish for optimal performance and optimal recovery. It's just a fact. Although I know most of us aren't replenishing our electrolytes the way we should during a long endurance workout and after a hard, high-intensity workout. We either aren't replenishing them at all, or we are replenishing them with sports drinks and packets that are filled with shitty synthetic ingredients and lots of added sugar, all of which do nothing productive for your health. That's why I exclusively use LMNT Recharge. It's a small packet that's easy to grab on the go and mix into your water bottle. I only use LMNT because all their ingredients are real and recognizable. Plus, all their products are always sugar-free, gluten-free, paleo, keto-friendly, and science backed. Element T contains over three times the electrolytes as your average sports drink, plus it has zero sugar, whereas your typical sports drinks will have around 30 grams. I highly suggest adding Element T into your wellness routine this summer. And guess what? You can get a free motherfreaking sample pack. You're going to receive a free LMNT sample pack, including eight packets of LMNT, two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two raw unflavored by heading over to drinklmnt, spell it out, dot com slash align. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash align. You only pay five bucks for shipping, and they send you out that sample pack to try. All right. I hope you guys enjoy it. Back to the podcast. I think one of the main things that makes humans so robust as a species is our capacity to adapt and communicate and tell stories, but adapt. You know, so whatever environment you put us into, like right now, you and I are a little bit more like each other than we were 30 minutes ago. You know, our heart rates are probably starting to attune or you know, like breathing patterns. Like it's like literally we're starting to kind of enmesh. You know, and then we go out and then you hang out with somebody else and you do that and you get like stirred up by every environment that you put your human organism into. And it's interesting to think of the personality of, of nature, like it takes shit and it rolls it up and processes it and spits it out anew. And then it takes some more shit and rolls it up and processes it and spits it out anew. And it's, I think it's such a powerful thing to just place your human animal out into that place and not have the doing and not have like the ideas and the stories and this and that, but just like, like all you got to do is for starters, just be there. Just got to fucking be there. Yeah. Yeah. There is something like I was on a hunt last year and we were up in the, the Boulder Canyon, but I was standing on this flat looking down the Boulder Canyon. And I was just like, it just, it happens to me all of the time in Montana, but yeah, there's like this nothingness that hits you. It's just like, 
this is all just here, man. And everything out here is so complicated and everything here is so honest. There's just the natural cycles that are occurring. Not really any variables that are unnatural. Everything out there is just happening, you know? Yeah, nature doesn't really want anything from you. No, it doesn't require us anything from us either. The more time you spend out there, you really find that out that it's like, we see it all the time, right? In these like abandoned cities or neighborhoods, like in Chicago, where I lived for a long time, there's there's these neighborhoods that kind of aren't inhabited anymore. What happens? Well, the ivy starts to overtake the building. The grass starts to grow and nature starts to like encompass this once man-made structure. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't require shit from us. It will be here long after we are, you know, and just keep doing it cycles. So it's just this, always this good reminder to me that to just like, calm the fuck down, dude. In the grand scope of the universe, like nothing is really that big of a deal. Do you feel like you've infused your history into your music? Has music been an escape for you? Has it been like a natural, like purgative process? No, for me, it's always like the processing stone of like, it's where it starts to make sense to me. Like I learn more about myself after I write a song. Because when I write, it writes, it just happens really fast. There's not like, I'm going to sit down and write about this. That's not how I write it like. The buzzer goes off and then the song comes out, usually in less than five minutes. So for me, it's always like listening to it later where I'm like, oh, this is that. This is from that. You know, like I was saying before, it's like tracing back the pathology of like, oh, this is about that. That's where my heart was in that moment. And here's me processing it. Now it makes more sense to me. And now I have to sing it 5,000 times. So it'll just keep making more sense to me. And like, I was saying this when I was playing at the fit for service thing last night, I get asked all the time, like, well, do you ever get tired of playing I am? Or do you ever get tired of playing these songs that everyone wants to hear? No, because my relationship with them keeps changing. Yeah. So you're reading a book, you read the I Ching, you know, you understand maybe 1% of it. And then you read it again. You're like 2% yeah. progress. <laughs> Well, and to me, that's what's so cool about music is you can play a song for 10 different people and it'll mean 10 different things to them. It's like up for interpretation. So that happens to me too. It's like what I'm taking or feeling from these songs changes as the years go. It's like the songs mean different things to me, which is cool, you know, to get to do that in the first person to like play a song and be like, oh shit, this is still still poking me do you feel like you've always done music for the right reason has it always come from like an authentic the making of the music the making of the music is always like the that's the most honest purest version of myself there's a lot of shit around it that isn't at all of the like okay well how do we get bigger how do we tour more like what is merch going to look like for this you know there's so much shit that goes into it and sometimes that will get to me where i'm like dude we really have to deal with all of this shit to fucking play music for people. Like if we overcomplicated this whole thing, there's contracts. I pay six people on my team. Like how the fuck did we get here? Can we just meet in a park or something? You know, (laughs) like why does it have to be so weird? But everything is like that. Every industry is like that. It's an interesting thing. You almost are like capitalizing on a gift, which is kind of almost can feel slimy in a way. You're like, "I, I received this gift. It was like this alchemy of healing or what I feel like, you know, whatever the, whatever it was, it didn't, didn't come from me. And then it's the whole process of building an empire around that. Okay. And it started from this, like, it was like a baby. It was very interesting. And a lot of child stars end up getting fucked up. Totally. And that's why. And I think like 
for me, the thing with music is I always remind myself, well, what's the goal? The goal is to get to music to as many people as possible. Why? So we can touch as many lives as possible. Okay, well, then this is what we have to do to do that. You know, that's always the thought pattern that keeps me from like, what? Like, it's, dude, every time I do psychedelics, I'm like, how has it gotten this weird? Like, everything is so complicated when it shouldn't be complicated, right? But again, yeah, if the goal is to touch as many lives as possible, then I am going to need assistance in like, okay, well, you're a professional people reacher. Okay, so I will hire you to help me reach more people. You know, like it's... So yeah, I mean, the the end goal is to make people's lives better. How would the lessons that you've gathered from creating music, well, how would that relate to someone that doesn't make music? Because that process of being able, inciting the muse or whatever, like be like, it's coming. I think everyone is an artist, whether they realize it or not. Everyone is a musician, whether they realize it or not. Like your existence is an expression of art. It's just some of it, the expression is like, cool, like accountant. And it's like lines and right angles and ones and zeros. That's a form of art. You know, and some people are more overt art. It's colors against the wall. And, you know, it's like, oh, that's like, looks a lot more like art. For me, I'm lucky because most of the shit that comes through me is about processing the story and like covid we just saw a whole bunch of growth in streaming right because this whole first record was me figuring out who i am and kind of telling myself shit is hard but it's gonna be okay and you know that and you trust that and you breathe into that and that's what we're doing here so people can relate to that because it doesn't matter if you're an accountant or an artist or whatever the hard things are going to happen you're going to need encouraged and music is such a great avenue from that because it opens your heart in a way that me telling you, hey, man, it's going to be okay. Things are going to be fine. It's just not the same as hearing it in a song because you can feel a song. It's not just like, oh, yeah, those are good words that make sense. It's like something happens when they're accompanied with music. Do you know who Stephen Pressfield is? The, the, the War of Art? We just did a podcast together just like a couple months ago. And um, he's someone that I've revered for like years and years. He was like a mythological creature of sorts for me like you know there's some writers or maybe actors or some people like that where you're like i don't even think that person exists it's like socrates or something and then you meet him you're like oh you were just a you're just a dude like <laughs> he doesn't even realize it's a big deal like i was, I was trying to ask him he's like I'm just writing books yeah man, you know? <laughs> calm like, down yeah 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 i think anyone that's like of merit is probably that way you know it's like i don't know man i just have this thing but he's, you know, like doing the work and having, you know, resistance and all that stuff to have your, which again, I think this is most everyone, unless they really are just, you know, they have a boss and they tell them what to plug in in the machine and they just do that. But you're still a way to infuse art and in, even into that experience, I think. But when your livelihood and your, you know, being able to feed your family and all that stuff rests on the muse presenting itself, to be able to incite that and have some formula of sorts is would be great if that existed and then you know from pressfield's perspective it's kind of like you just do it a lot of people's perspective you just do it until you know if you sit down and type some bullshit for long enough eventually something will come through but do you have any kind of process around anything that you do every once in a while i'll go like a few weeks or even longer where i haven't written anything and i'm like is she gone is she not gonna come back like shit because for me it really is dude i've like i always say that i've made like an agreement with this muse that like 
no matter how inconvenient the time. If she calls, I'll pick up the phone because she's given me everything. I was in severe poverty with no promise of ever getting out of it to I support my entire family and live a very comfortable life because I keep picking up the phone, you know. For me, if I sit down and force myself to write, it's going to be real shitty. But I've been writing a lot recently. But there's one that comes to mind. I was giving my son a bath and my wife was like working on notes. She's a psychotherapist. So she was doing like client notes. And the song came and I was like, babe, 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 babe. You have to finish the bath. You have to finish the bath. Go, 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 go. You know, and was like, I have to go. I have to go. I have to go. So it's like when it comes, I just like sprint towards it. And my wife kind of is just like adhered to this thing that it's like, oh yeah, well, sometimes we have to pull over, you know? So for me, it's like that. I don't know when it's going to come to you. Sometimes it comes in traffic. Sometimes it comes when I'm giving my son a bath, you know, it's just like, yeah, something connects up here and in here. And then it's just like, okay, go write it down. Do you feel like that you having the dependability, as you were saying that I was kind of thinking, it's like rewriting your relationship of dependence, like being dependable, like having people in your life of like, cool, like got an issue. I got you. You know, it's almost like you with the muse. You're like, if you're there, I, I got you. I'm there for it. It's like, I wonder, and that might not, you know, I don't know. I was just interested. I was like, oh, interesting. Like, cool. Like you have that, you know, you can, there's something to depend on, which is Yeah. Which is and really I trust beautiful. it. And I put a lot of weight into discipline. Like I think the way that I eat, the way that I've structured my life facilitates that muse coming through like they're like keeps this clear channel going yeah and so the reason I'm, I'm saying that is is i wonder if if there is something if you do show up and you are dependable for it it shows up for you just like any other relationship and i wonder if there is something to like okay like if, if you knock i'm there i feel like with consistency of building up that muscle or maybe like that pathway the pathway, you know, it turns into like the Audubon, you know, cool. Like we just kept on digging it. And now every time it knocks, I'm there. And now we're like, we're really moving traffic down this thing. But most people are taught to not believe that inner whisper part. And they think they don't have an inner whisper because like, I don't know. It's just like, well, maybe you just haven't listened enough. And then when it does speak, you haven't brought it up to stage and said like, what do you got to say? Yeah. And everyone's met someone where they have like a weird gut feeling, right? Where they're like, I don't know about you, dude. And then it proves itself to be right some later date time. And someone always, man, I fucking knew it, man. It's like, well, yeah, dummy, listen to yourself. So for me, it's that where I'm like, I also like, I guess it's just in my head. It's like this ethereal thing that maybe even visits other people. And it's like, well, I always go back to Drew. He'll, he picks up every single fucking time, you know? So it's like, I'll leave him alone for a few months and let him do his fishing thing and whatever else he's fucking doing. And then at the right time, I'll go knock on his door and be like, hey. I want to take a brief moment and introduce y'all to my newest biohacking tool. It's referred to as Magic Minds. I like to look at it as a mental boosting energy shot. It boosts your mental energy, focus, and productivity. To be honest with you, I have a tendency to procrastinate and stray away from my daily to-do list because I'd rather do all the fun things. I'd rather go shoot guns. I'd rather train jujitsu. I'd rather box. I'd rather go surf. I'd rather pretty much do anything else most of the time. But that's not always real life, is it? 
Whether we like it or not, we have to work that needs to get done. And Magic Mind helps me crush my daily to-do list. It gives me extra productivity and focus, allowing me to be more successful, conquer the to-do list faster, and give me more time to do things I actually want to be doing. The best part about Magic Mind is that it's made from all natural ingredients. Adaptogens, which help decrease stress, nootropics, which boost blood flow and cognition, and matcha, which keeps you focused. After three to seven days of continuous use, I've noticed it's much easier to get into a flow state, be more productive, and drink less coffee. I like to just take it as an energy shot, and within 10 to 30 minutes, I feel the effects. You can now try it out yourself and get 20% off by heading over to magicmind.co slash align. That is magicmind.co slash align. So jump over there and get yourself 20% off your purchase, and uh, I'm very confident this will improve the quality of your work, the quality of your thoughts, and your overall energy. So jump over to magicmind.co slash align. I also wanted to take a moment and thank Hone for supporting this podcast. I've been loving this stuff. I have two containers in my cabinet right now and I drink the crap out of this stuff. If you drink too much coffee or you experience negative effects from coffee, I highly recommend trying out Hone Blends. This is a blend of ceremonial grade matcha, USDA organic cordyceps, and methylated vitamin B12 and B6 that not only bring you the same energy as coffee, but the energy is longer lasting. I personally am a huge fan of cordyceps as it greatly helps to increase my athletic performance, enhancing my stamina, energy, and endurance, but it also has other amazing health benefits. It is a great source of prebiotics for improving gut health and reducing inflammation. It protects against free radicals, helping to prevent signs of aging, and it is a great source of collagen, helping with skin, bones, and joints. And it helps reduce anxiety, which I know we all could use. And matcha contains the amino acid L-theanine, which is used in Western medicine to reduce anxiety and treat depression. It also stimulates alpha waves in your brain, promoting an attentive and alert disposition while calming your nerves and stress. My favorite way to drink home blends is by mixing it with some hot water and full-fat coconut milk for a delicious matcha latte. I'll typically drink this in place of a second cup of coffee and have found my energy levels to be higher than ever before. You can get longer lasting energy and reduce your stress and anxiety with Hone Blends now by heading over to HoneBlends.com and use the Align code at checkout for a whopping 30% off. That is ridiculous. 30% off your purchase and you are going to have yourself the most delicious morning beverage you could ever possibly have. Jump over to HoneBlends.com and use the Align code for 30% off. That's H-O-N-E-B-L-E-N-D-S dot com. Use Align code for 30% off. All right, here we go. Back to the podcast. What do you think of the idea of ideas are actually a form of matter? Like they exist, so if an idea comes to Drew, and Drew is like, oh, if I got to get you know stuff going on, it'll like pop over to the neighbor's house or pop over to somewhere in Belgium or something. Have you ever heard that before? No, that's an interesting theory. Because it feels that way. It does. <laughs> yeah, no, and as an artist too, man, Alan Stone has been doing this series where he will play a cover on Instagram and he calls it Songs I Wish I Wrote. And like every once in a while, yeah, dude, you hear a song and you're like, 
man, I wonder if when they wrote that, they got done. Like, like even like a Sweet Home Alabama. Like, did they get done playing that live in the studio and be like, hot damn, son, that worked. There's just so many songs like that where, but I don't think it does. Because you talk to Bob Dylan, he's like, I don't fucking know, man. I'm just writing shit down. You know, I'm just writing, you know, wrote like a Rolling Stone on a napkin. Do you have any kind of like traditions or something to lubricate the muse or nothing? It's totally random. You're lighting a match and like, oh, oof, like song about fire and whatever comes up. Well, sometimes I'll be chewing on an idea, you know, like I've been really into the Stoics the past couple of years. So like, you know, I've been thinking like, man, how cool would it be to write songs with these like famous you know, like Seneca quotes and shit in them as the premise for the song. And then that kind of stores. So like the song that I left the bath to, to write was a song called Memento Mori. And it was like all the right pieces were there. My friend Brady, who you met, he had just lost his cousin and him and I were talking and we started talking about that. Like, you know, yeah, a good thing to do when someone close to you dies is remember that you're going to too, you know, and how you're going to live. And then I started thinking about my sister's death. And then two days later, everything formed itself into this song. And it was just like, like all of these things had come together. And then since I've planted that seed of like, that I want to like hide all of this stoicism in this next record. And that's like the theme of the record is, yeah, the other day on the plane, this like, this line about our entire human lot should be before our eyes hit me and then boom this whole song came out on the plane it was just like well fuck yeah so yeah i think there's a little bit of premeditation where it's like i'll mark an idea as cool and then it maybe is like subconsciously swimming in there and then the muse is like hey i got it let me help you put it all together i think it is a really interesting idea where ideas come from the analogy that's come up for me is almost like if you are want to grow you know whenever you're a farmer and you're growing some soybeans or whatever you're not going to actively like take the seed and like pull the bean out and you know there's like you just kind of give the bean what it needs and be patient and eventually germination happens all these things happen under the ground and eventually a thing comes through and it feels like a part of that like the farm of your mind is give it all the things that a cell needs make yourself a happy human and then feed it the right information and then be around the right people and rights relative to what you're seeking as an outcome and then eventually it's like, oh, there's something coming through there. But if you force it, it's probably not going to work out. Yeah. For me, training regularly is super huge. Eating. And when I'm home, I wake up at 530. I'm at the gym by six, drinking my smoothie that I drink every morning at the same time. You know, like I have this, these anchors and these routines of the flow of my day. And the reason I don't fuck with that is because, it, you know, it's never failed. So it's like, okay, well, I found what works for me. So I keep showing up in that way of like, okay, well, I know that I stay in a creative space and tied to the ethereal if I'm eating right, I'm exercising, you know, I'm taking time to breathe, I'm meditating, I'm like doing all of the things that I know I should be doing. It creates an environment for creativity. You know, for other people, it might be like, no, you know, I just drink and do drugs. And it's like, yeah, well, that's not the vibe I'm trying to put out. That's not the energy that I'm trying to put into the world. A lot of the best music and art in the world is direct product of that. Mm -hmm. Pretty interesting. And then that's the thing that we're like, no, like drugs are bad. It's like, yeah, but <laughs> like almost all of the culture streaming through your mind is 
kind of a product of that. Yeah, no. And I've had that. I was having that conversation with my mom, you know, of trying to get her to understand the, uh, you know, my infatuation and relationship to psychedelics. So I was like, mom, they're not for you. They might not be for anyone, you know, but they inarguably created the greatest art of our time. And they are for you because a lot of the stuff that you appreciate and a lot of the foundation of much of our thoughts comes from pop culture and music. And your mom probably grew up through the 70s and all that stuff. Like, she is drugs. It just hasn't gone in her face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even of like, well, have you ever looked at a Salvador Dali piece and been like, well, that's pretty fucking cool. It's like, well, yeah, it sure is. Yeah. What I noticed with so much of the like really good rock and roll of the 70s and 80s was it was the drug path gone wrong that created very beautiful art. So the drugs were helping. But what it really was, was I can't keep a relationship. I have unhealthy attachments to my lifestyle and all of the pain that comes with it. And pain can make really good art. I think what artists are all just trying to do is process their shit. So it's like if you're trying to process, you know, why your third wife just left you, or why you can't quit cheating on your wife, or like whatever the thing was then, it's like that's where you're going to go to. If you were an artist, that's where you will go. You will go into your art to understand. My art teacher in high school was my mentor. I was like the only mentor I really had growing up. You know, I had this great quote of his that I found online after he passed. In an interview, he said, the world by nature is very destructive, and some of us must construct to understand. I have to form to understand. So it's like, whether it's a picture or a song, it's like, you know, he says, I got that package. And yeah, I got that package. That is how I make sense of the things around me as I form it into a piece of art, whether it's a painting or a song, I have to form to understand. I can't understand it if it's all out here. I have to organize it and put it into a thing that I can say, oh, now I understand. Now I understand my mortality because I wrote this song. Episode from last week, this guy called Dr. Perry. And one of the things we were talking about was the healing of trauma. Trauma as a working definition could be some type of event that you didn't have the resources to process in that moment. So it kind of just got shuffled aside or dodged or repressed or kind of like, like contract, move, bite through and move forward, as opposed to being able to actually work through and make sense of it. But it's interesting how you're describing that process of creating art and restructuring. It's, it's creating meaning. So if you were abused and it was just like, well, fuck that, there's not a lot of meaning in well, fuck that. But if you can start to create this, build this story around it and you, you go into all of the details of it and you're really, you can be with all of it and you can truly come to the other side and find a place of like, you find meaning in the story or gratitude, whatever it is. I think that's a big part of the healing process. And it seems like that's how you're describing this. Yeah, absolutely. Like our whole first record, I felt like the whole album, The Story of You was me leaning into this thing that like, no, dude, nothing has happened to me. It's all happened for me. Easy to say. Easy to say. But I don't know if I would be the creative person I am had it not. I might be boring as fuck. I don't know if I would have the pull to create if I didn't have all of that hurt back then, you know, or something to overcome was really what it was, was, you know, and that notion that life had happened for me and not to me was like, no, man, this all happened to prepare you for this grand purpose. And had it been too easy, you wouldn't have been adequately prepared to be a leader and an artist. You would have been very bland. At least that's the narrative that I've built around it. And that, like I said, dude, my art just keeps giving back to me. So I keep giving back to it, which is the relationship now, as opposed to like, okay, well, 
okay, so we have this break during a tour, so we have to record X amount of songs between this thing so we can keep this thing moving. I'm like, no, man, that's not the energy that I'm looking for anymore. The energy I'm looking for now is this thing feeds me and I must feed it, but I have to feed it from a good place, not a rushed place, not a panicked place, a very centered together, whole, whole me. All of me has to be present in it and I have to feel good about it or I don't want to do it. Whether that's a show or a record or like whatever it is. If I don't feel good about something, I don't want to do it anymore. Where I used to force myself to do a lot of shit with the idea of like, no, I have to keep this thing moving. Dude, so much of my life has been that. So much of people's lives is that. I'm sensitive to like, I have to because you don't, you know, it's like you choose to because you have a a desired outcome. And in order to have that, the desired outcome that you seek, you have to for that. But ultimately, you don't have to. Language is impactful. The stories that we tell ourselves, so much of our fucking lives is just a bunch of shit that we think we have to do. <laughs> like, so much. There's, there's something that's like, I think it's a really healthy thing to step back and like, what do I have to do? Because yeah. I've been running this program for a long time that I have to, I have to, oh, I have to get groceries. Oh, I have, it's like, you don't have to. And I think a lot of the things that we think we have to do is, oh, I have to have this typical mortgage thing and I have to have this typical relationship thing and I have to. Well, that's the only thing that I've ever been scared of. I don't scare easy, but I remember as a kid being so drawn to counterculture, whether it was like seeing a picture of the Hells Angels in the 60s or the Grateful Dead or like anything that was not normal I wanted in on punk rock, skateboarding, like, because I saw, you know, do you remember when you were young that like take your kids to work day? I remember going to my mom's office. She worked for Super Value, which was like a food distribution thing. I don't even know what the fuck she did, but there was lots of cubicles there. And I remember just looking in the, at like eight, nine years old, looking in the eyes of these people and being like, nope, not for me. Same thing with my dad. Same thing with like principals. This whole thing that they were doing, you know, I wanted nothing to do with like the sight of suburbs scared the shit out of me. I was like, dude, anywhere but here. I have so much compassion for my parents for that reason. I was at a car dealership thing today for, you know, whatever random reason I had. it, And I was looking at the, the cubicle set up and it reminded me of my, my dad was a stockbroker yeah. growing up and I would go in to check out his office and whatnot. And you see your dad is your dad, you know, you don't see him as like a guy. Yeah. And oh, I'd look up like, wow, like, man, he's got his little paperweight. You know, it's all set. Got the computer. Like, this is some advanced shit. And now, looking back, if I went into that, I'd be like, oh, this sucks. And, oh, wow. Now, from this lens, I can have so much compassion and appreciation. Like, my dad was doing that to feed me. Well, and that's something that I never lose sight of, man. But I think a lot of people get comfortable and they lose gratitude. For me, every time I go into a gas station, I say to myself, I'm so blessed that I don't have to work at a gas station to feed my child. I'm so blessed that I don't have to check out groceries. And respect to that person for fucking being here. I've worked so many jobs, dude. I've done the retail. I've done every job you could do at a restaurant. I've done construction. And so I know that road. You know, I know that life. And it was so stressful and so like, what am I doing? There's no opportunity for growth here. There's no like, it's just Groundhog's Day. You know, and I really went out on a limb of just like, okay, dude, well, even if I lose everything, at least like when I started Satsung, the plan was give this everything I can for a year. And if I don't like the way it looks in a year, then I'll stop. 
And at least when I die, I can be like, no, dude, you, you gave it a run. Do you remember that time when you were 24, you tried. And then it was like, okay, well, we're kind of making progress and I'm still doing that. You know, if this thing quits serving me and made my heart full and I don't feel trapped anymore, I used to feel trapped in it, you know? And then like you're saying, no, you have to tour. Oh, no, we don't, motherfucker. We just took two years off and look at us go. We're still here, man. Like, we don't have to, you know, it's a, it's a choice. And like, I feel like on the adverse of that, because all these shows have been rescheduled from two years ago, we have this big, huge tour this fall. And I do feel like, no, you have to. These people need you right now. These people need music now and you must go give it to them. Which that can be beautiful as well, as long as you're an acknowledgement of the meaning of that. And it's not just a flippant, oh, I have to, I have to, I have to. It's like, uh, uh. it's like, okay. It's my purpose. You yes. have to. That's different. Yes. Yeah. It's my purpose and this is what I must do. Yeah. Because then it's like a noble cause, right? It's like, no, dude, I feel I've been given this gift. These people have received my gift and they want to see it in person. And I'll be goddamn if I don't do that for them, you know? But... What's really cool is after this tour, I've talked to the whole team, my whole band, and just been like, hey, we're not touring like this anymore, guys. Like three weeks in the fall, three weeks in the spring, and festival season. I don't want what I think I used to want. I was just saying to Justin, you know, if you'd have asked me, told me three years ago, music can be whatever you want it to be. It can be as big as you want it to be. If you want to sell out arenas, you can have that, but it will cost you your relationships. I would have been like, fine, totally take everything from me. That's all I've ever wanted. And now the thing I keep coming back to is it's like, dude, if my life doesn't involve reaching over in the middle of the night and feeling my wife's hand, not into it. I'm not interested. If it doesn't involve me having an active, amazing relationship with my children, where I feel like I'm not just their parent, but we're friends and we're like very intertwined and I'm a person that they go to, I'm not interested. So it's like, how can we do all of the things? How can we be the whole pie chart and not just the sliver that is your gift? Because I'm sure there's a lot more to you than fitness is what I'm gathering from this conversation, you know? Not too much more, but I appreciate appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? So it's like we have these gifts that we're clearly like attuned to share with people and that's how we really make make our ball move. But it's like, you're so much more than that. So that's just what I'm really into right now, man, is like, how much more can we be? Or rather, not even more. How how much deeper can we go on the things that we are? Instead of like acquiring new personality traits, like how much deeper can I understand myself? Because then you're just giving yourself in a different way to people. I feel like what you're describing now is is like the foundational codes for longevity. And that was something I was talking with Brady last night about was there's so many, and I've witnessed this actually in my own career and self is saying like, oh, I'm like starting to become one of the people that's done what I do longer than other people. And it's just by like, what was the, the recipe to continue studying and being actively engaged and doing interviews and, you know, taking workshops and classes and cultivating and like, what's the formula for keeping that ember going? And if you're just focusing on that one sliver, then it's really unlikely that you're going to have a, a hearty, healthy ember in 40 years. Yeah. And I really do see myself like, dude, Mike, I want to be Bob Weir. You know, I want to be the dude that's 70 years old and, and still playing. And people are like, man, he still loves it. You know, no, Bob Weir doesn't have to go play fucking shows. He has more money than he could spend even if he was 30. He's doing it because he loves it. And it's how he relates to the world. And it's like, yeah, I want to be that dude that's still like, 
just in love with fucking music, dude. I fell out of love with music. I was doing it because it was this thing that I was doing. And I'm kind of coming out of it and coming like back into like more of a pragmatic, you know, as tours coming up, like, okay, cool. So, you know, how do we get this lined out? But I just, I've been in this place of just absolutely infatuated and in love with music again, listening to it, playing it, writing it, and just... I haven't felt that in so long. That's what's like so special about this new record. It's like, no, dude, this is your boy back in love with music. Not, I didn't make this fucking record because it was time to make a new record. I made this thing because I was so in love with music that I made this collection of things and I wanted to show it to you. And it feels so good to be back there. Like I said, I just feel like I'm like, I'm home now. Like I'm like, okay, this is adulthood. I'm, 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 I'm the adult version of myself now. The integrated adult. Yes, the integrated adult that is... Or integrating adult. A integrating adult is a better way to say it, yeah. And I'm excited about all of the further things to integrate. And I get excited that there's more to do. When's the album come out? The new album, All Right Now, is out right now. Who knows when the, when Memento Mori will come out? Well, I appreciate you very much. I obviously appreciate your music very much. I've already expressed that a, a bunch. I highly recommend people go and, and listen to Satsang. It's like, I think it's some of the most important music that I've listened to. Thank you, man. Good talk. Thank you all for tuning in. Over and out, Paul. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you did, you can tag me at Align Podcast on the Instagram and there's a good chance I will reshare your post. And you can also tag Drew over at Satsang, which is spelled S-A-T-S-A-N-G. Satsang. Very cool word. Thank you guys so much for views on wherever you're listening to this. Thanks for support with the Align Method book. Thanks for sharing this with your friends. Thanks for making a difference in your own life. And um, thanks for doing you. I appreciate you guys very much. And uh, look forward to whispering into your sweet, sultry, supple, cavernous ear holes next week.